The Hubble Space Telescope has been in space for 28 years, producing some of the most beautiful and scientifically important images of the cosmos that humanity has ever taken. But let's face it, Hubble's getting old, and it probably won't be with us for too much longer. NASA's James Webb Space Telescope is in the final stages of testing, and WFIRST is waiting in the wings. You'll be glad to know there are even more space telescopes in the works, a set of four powerful instruments in design right now, which will be part of the next decadal survey and helping to answer the most fundamental questions about the cosmos. I know, I know, the James Webb Space Telescope hasn't even reached space yet, and there could be even more delays as it goes through its current round of tests. At the time I'm recording this video, it's looking like May 2020, but come on, you know there'll be more delays. And then there's WFIRST, the wide-angle infrared space telescope that's actually made of an old Hubble-class telescope that the National Reconnaissance Office didn't need anymore. The White House wants to cancel it, Congress saved it, and now NASA is getting parts of it constructed. Assuming it doesn't run into any more delays, we're looking at a launch in the mid-2020s. I've actually done an episode about super telescopes and talked about James Webb and WFIRST, so if you want to learn more about those observatories, check that out first. Today we're going to go further into the future to look at the next, next generation telescopes, the ones that could be launched after the telescope that gets launched after the telescope that comes next. Before I dig into these missions, I need to talk about the Decadal Survey. This is a report created by the U.S. National Academy of Sciences for Congress and NASA, and it's essentially a wish list from scientists to NASA, defining the biggest questions they have in their field of science. This allows Congress to assign budgets and NASA to develop mission ideas that will help fulfill as many of these science goals as possible. These surveys are done once every decade, bringing together committees in Earth science, planetary science, and astrophysics. They pitch ideas, argue, vote, and eventually agree on a set of recommendations which will define science priorities over the next decade. We're currently in the 2013 to 2022 decadal survey period. So in just a few years, the next survey will be due and define the missions from 2023 to 2032. And I know that sounds like it's in the distant future, but time is actually running out to get the band back together. If you're interested, I'll put a link to the last decadal survey. It's a fascinating document, and you'll get a better sense of how missions come together. We're still a few years away from the final document, but serious proposals are in the planning stages for next-generation space telescopes, and they are awesome. Let's talk about them. The first mission we'll look at is HABEX, or the Habitable Exoplanet Imaging Mission. And this is a spacecraft that will directly photograph planets orbiting other stars. It'll be targeting all kinds of planets, from hot Jupiters to super-Earths, but its primary target will be to photograph Earth-like exoplanets and measure their atmospheres. In other words, HABEX is going to try and detect signals of life on planets orbiting other stars. In order to get this done, Habix needs to block the light from the star so that much fainter planets nearby can be revealed. It'll have one and maybe two ways to do this. The first is using a coronagraph. This is a tiny dot that sits inside the telescope itself, which is positioned in front of the star and blocks the light. The remaining light passing through the telescope comes from fainter objects around the star 
and can be imaged by the instrument sensor. The telescope has a special deformable mirror that can be tweaked and tuned until the fainter planets come into view. Here's an example of a coronagraph in use on the European Southern Observatory's very large telescope. The central star is hidden, revealing the dimmer dust disk around it. Here's a direct image of a brown dwarf orbiting a star. And this is one of the most dramatic videos I think I've ever seen, with four Jupiter-sized worlds orbiting around the star HR8799. Now, it's a bit of a trick. The researchers animated the motions of the planets in between their observations, but still, wow. The second method of blocking the light will be to use a star shade. This is a completely separate spacecraft that looks like a pinwheel. It flies tens of thousands of kilometers away from the telescope, and when it's positioned perfectly, it blocks the light from the central star while allowing light from the planets to leak around the edges. The trick with the starshade is those petals which create a softer edge, so the light waves from the fainter planet is less bent. This creates a very dark shadow that should have the best chance at revealing planets. Unlike most missions, starshades like this can be used with any observatory in space, so Hubble, James Webb, or any other observatory could take advantage of this instrument. We've always complained about how we can only see a fraction of the planets out there using the transit or radio velocity method because of how things line up. But with a mission like HabEx, planets can be seen directly in any configuration. In addition to this primary mission, HABEX will also be used for a variety of astrophysics, like observing the early universe and studying the chemicals of the biggest stars before and after they explode a supernova. Next up, LYNX, which will be NASA's next generation X-ray telescope. Surprisingly, it's not an acronym, it's just named after the animal. In various cultures, LYNXs were thought to have the supernatural ability to see the true nature of things. X-rays are at the higher end of the electromagnetic spectrum, and they're blocked by the Earth's atmosphere, so you need a space telescope to be able to see them. And right now, NASA has its Chandra X-ray Observatory, and ESA is working on its Athena mission due for launch in 2028. LYNX will act as a partner to the James Webb Space Telescope, peering out to the edge of the observable universe, revealing the first generations of supermassive black holes and helping to chart their formation and mergers over time. It'll see radiation coming from the hot gas from the early cosmic web as the first galaxies were coming together. And then it'll be used to examine the kinds of objects Chandra, XMM-Newton, and other X-ray observatories focus on. Pulsars, galaxy collisions, collapsars, supernovae, black holes, and more. Even normal stars can give off X-ray flares that tell us more about them. The vast majority of the universe's matter is located in clouds of gas as hot as a million Kelvin. If you want to see the universe as it truly is, you want to look at it in X-rays. X-ray telescopes are different from visible light observatories like Hubble. You can't just have a mirror that bounces X-rays. Instead, you use grazing incidence mirrors, which can slightly redirect photons that hit them, funneling them down to a detector. With a three meter outer mirror, the starting point of the funnel, it'll provide 500 to 1,000 times the sensitivity with 16 times the field of view, gathering photons at 800 times the speed of Chandra. I'm not sure what else to say. It'll be a monster X-ray observatory. Trust me, astronomers think this is a very good idea. Next, the Origin Space Telescope, or OST. 
like James Webb and Spitzer Space Telescope, OST is going to be an infrared telescope designed to observe some of the coolest objects in the universe. But it's going to be even bigger. While James Webb has a primary mirror 6.5 meters across, the OST mirror will be 9.1 meters across. Imagine a telescope almost as big as the largest ground telescopes on Earth, but out in space. In space, it won't just be big, it'll be cold. NASA was able to cool down Spitzer to just 5 Kelvin, that's 5 degrees above absolute zero, and just a little warmer than the background temperature of the universe. They're planning to get origins down to 4 Kelvin. Doesn't sound like much, but it's a huge engineering challenge. Instead of just cooling the spacecraft with liquid helium like they did with Spitzer, they'll need to take the heat out in stages, starting with a reflector, then radiators, and finally a cryocooler around the instruments themselves. With a huge cold infrared telescope, Origins will push beyond James Webb's view of the formation of the first galaxies. It'll look to the era when the first stars were forming. It'll see the formation of planetary systems, dust disks, and directly observe the atmospheres of other planets, looking for biosignatures, evidence of life out there. Three exciting missions that'll push our knowledge of the universe forward, but I've saved the biggest, most ambitious telescope for last. And we'll talk about that in a second, but first, I'd like to thank the amazing Thunderchild, Brian Alvarez, Grant Lanning, Thomas Whippich, Torben Freiland, Eric M, and the rest of our 823 patrons for their generous support. If you love what we're doing, you want to get in on the action, head over to patreon.com slash universe today. All right, I've saved the best for last, Louvoir, or the Large UV Optical Infrared Surveyor. James Webb is going to be a powerful telescope, but it's an infrared instrument designed to look at cooler objects in the universe, like redshifted galaxies at the beginning of time, or newly forming planetary systems. The Origin Space Telescope will be a better version of James Webb. Louvoir will be the true successor to the Hubble Space Telescope. It'll be a huge instrument capable of seeing in infrared, visible light, and ultraviolet. And there's two designs in the works, one which is 8 meters across and could lift on a heavy lift vehicle like Falcon Heavy, and then another design would use the Space Launch System that measures 15 meters across. That's 50% bigger than the biggest Earth-based telescope. Now remember, Hubble is only 2.6 meters. It'll have a wide field of view and a suite of filters and instruments that astronomers can use to observe whatever they want. It'll be equipped with a coronagraph, like we talked about earlier, to directly observe planets and obscure their stars, and a spectrograph to figure out what chemicals are present in exoplanet atmospheres and more. Louvoir will be a general purpose instrument, which astronomers will use to make discoveries across the field of astrophysics, planetary science, and exoplanets. But some of its capabilities will include directly observing exoplanets and searching for biosignatures, categorizing all the different kinds of exoplanets out there, from hot Jupiters to super-Earths. It'll be able to observe objects within the solar system better than anything else. If we don't have a spacecraft there, Louvoir will be a pretty good view. For example, here's a view of Enceladus from Hubble compared to the view from Louvoir. It'll be able to look out anywhere in the universe to see much smaller structures than Hubble. It'll see the first galaxies, first stars, and help measure the concentrations of dark matter across the universe. Astronomers still don't fully understand what happens when stars gather enough mass to ignite. 
Luvar will look into star-forming regions, peer through the gas and dust, and see the earliest moments of star formation, as well as the planets orbiting them. Have I got you totally and completely excited about the future of astronomy? Good! Here comes the bad news. There's almost no chance reality will match this fantasy. Earlier this month, NASA announced that mission planners working on these space telescopes will need to limit their budgets to between three and five billion dollars. Until now, planners didn't have any guidelines. They were to just design instruments that could get the science done. Engineers have been working on mission plans that could easily cross $5 billion for HabEx, Lynx, and OST, and we're considering a much larger $20 billion for Louvoir. Even though Congress has been pushing for surprisingly big budgets for NASA, the space agency wants its planners to be conservative. And when you consider just how over budget and late James Webb has become, it's not entirely surprising. James Webb was originally supposed to cost between $1 and $3.5 billion and launch between 2007 and 2011. And now it looks like 2020 for launch. The costs have broken past a Congress-mandated $8.8 billion budget, and it's clear there's still a lot of work to be done. In a recent shake test, engineers found washers and screws that had shaken out of the telescope. This isn't like an IKEA shelf with leftover parts. These pieces are important. Even though it's been saved from the chopping block, the WFIRST telescope is estimated to be $3.9 billion, up from its original $2 billion budget. One, two, or maybe even all of these telescopes will eventually get built. This is what the scientists think are the most important to make the next discoveries in astronomy. But get ready for budget battles, cost overruns, and stretching timelines. We'll know better when all the studies come together in 2019. It would take some kind of engineering miracle to have all four telescopes come together on time and on budget to blast to space together in 2035. I'll keep you updated. So what do you think? Which of these telescopes is most exciting to you? Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Once a week, I gather up all my space news into a single email newsletter and send it out. It's got pictures, brief highlights about the story, and links you can find out more. Go to universetoday.com newsletter to sign up. And did you know that all my videos are also available in handy audio and video podcast formats? So you can have our latest episodes show up right on your audio device. Go to universetoday.com slash audio or universetoday.com slash video to get the one you want. And I'll put links in the show notes. Finally, here's a playlist.